Hello, dear friends. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable. It is time for Let's Talk About Jesus right here on our website. And I am so glad to declare to you, if you're here today, and and if you're not here today, you're not even hearing me. But if you've come to our website for a Bible study, I can declare something to you right here and right now by the authority of God's Word. You are going to be filled with what you are hungry for. Praise God. Amen. The Bible said, Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Amen. And the Bible says of the scripture that we're about to read and get into just in a few moments here. The Bible said of the Holy Scripture that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for for rebu- for correction for for rebuke and reproof and instruction in righteousness if you're hungry for righteousness you're here to be instructed by the word of God in that that will please the Lord and cause you to be personally and practically right wise with God if you've come to Christ as your savior you have positional righteousness immediately but he's not done with just giving you a positional righteousness he wants us to have a personal and practical righteousness and i believe we need a man in our nation you know what the bible said about that righteousness exalts a nation but sin is a reproach to any people Listen, friend of mine, I believe God wants to turn this nation back to himself. I'm not going to get into the political part of this or even some of the uh, mixed views uh, of the the theological views of this. But I want to get into the fact that God will use whatever causes our heart to begin to refocus and turn to him. Whatever it takes, whatever it may be meant for evil, but believe me, God will take what the devil means for evil. He'll use it for good because he overrules and he overrides because he reigns today. We used to sing that as a chorus, our God reigns. And friend, it's more than just a a song. It, It is a testimony and a declaration of the truth about God. Our God is in control. He's not controlling everything in the sense of making everything happen. Uh, like a puppet master that's pulling all of the strings. No, he gave man a free will. And there's a lot of things happening because of our foolish choices and choosing darkness over light, Satan over Christ, sin over righteousness. But I want you to know today that God loves you and God loves me. And and as awful as this nation has become, God still loves this nation I'm convinced of that. Why would he still love? Because he loves with a different kind of love uh, than, than any kind of love that can be described. For God so loved the world uh, in the condition it was in in his time and even worse in our time that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's his 
purpose for you. And that's His promise to you today. Praise God. Well, I want you to take courage today. We're glad you've come. That's what I'm saying. I'm commending you for coming to our website. Praise God. And we want to talk about, continue to talk about the subject that we began. This will be part two of trusting God no matter what. We based our 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 foundational scripture on Psalm 46 that said simply, God is our refuge and our strength. God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in the time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the mountains be removed, cast into the sea. This is a, a, a time that prophetically, I believe that many scholars would agree with me. This is, the end is not yet because of pestilence and wars and earthquakes and famines and all of these things. But these are the beginning of sorrows. This is the beginning. This is like a, a prelude to the tribulation period. There's going to be a pestilence that destroys so many people during the tribulation. There will be earthquakes that destroy tens of millions of people. Oh, friend of mine, we want to be ready for the soon coming of Jesus Christ today. So right now in the middle of the chaos and the crisis that we are in, let's not forget that Jesus is coming soon. And until He comes, He told us to occupy. He told us to occupy until He comes. You say, preacher, I can't do anything but stay here till I die. He's not talking about just hanging out here until He comes. He's talking about taking ground and holding it until He comes. Praise God. To occupy a nation means that you subdue it and you hold that nation, Amen. You, do, you friend of mine, I, when if, if there is even uh, uh, things that have been made during the occupation of Japan after the war, when that victory was validated by entering that nation and and accepting that that first accepting that defeat and then occupying that nation, we are here. For a purpose to occupy until he comes. Friend of mine, the church is a powerful force. And the devil knows how powerful we are. It's time we discover how powerful we are. And our purpose, God saw this coming. And God knew we would be living in the generation when this occurred. And he, he, he knew we would be in the kingdom. And I believe we're in the kingdom for a time such as this. You that are Christians today, praise God. Amen. So we're talking about trusting God no matter what. Trusting Him right now that He will bring good out of this because we're interceding and believing that God is going to intervene. I believe there's going to be a space of repentance for America and I believe the ground is being prepared. You know, the Bible said to break up your fallow ground, your, your unplowed earth of your heart, that hard places in the heart. Break up your, break up your fallow ground. It is time to seek the Lord till He come and rain righteousness upon us. See, it's all about getting right with God so that we can have every blessing that He has purposed and promised to the righteous. 
praise. I'm not talking about self-righteous. I'm talking about the humble commitment of our heart to serve the living and true God and to follow Jesus. You'll have your struggle with it. I struggle with it to this day because the flesh and spirit are going to always be at war. But this is a war that can be won through Jesus Christ today. Hallelujah. Amen. In the midst of all of this, lift up your head. When you see these things beginning, the beginning of sorrows, when you see these things beginning, the things that will come to their their pinnacle and in, in, the, in the tribulation period, we are getting a preview and a prelude right now of the things that are going to come a thousand times worse than anything that we're experiencing globally right here and right now. And so, friend of mine, getting through this and getting ready for His coming, I believe that's what's on the agenda today. So, Heavenly Father, I just thank You for this listening audience. I thank You for those listening that have come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and personal Savior and are coming to know the Father through Jesus Christ and through the Word of God and by the Holy Spirit and finding out what a great and good God that He truly is today. Hallelujah. And Father, I pray that we will be counseled and we will be comforted by Your Word today. Rebuked if we are doing something that's going to lead us to destruction. But Lord, that we will be we will be loved and we will be cherished and we will and our hearts will quit looking anywhere else for the comfort and consolation that we can only find in you and that we will turn from sin and we will turn from self and we will certainly turn from satan we'll turn from darkness to light and we will choose to dwell in you as you have chosen to dwell in us in Jesus' name, amen and amen. God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in the time of trouble. I want to read something before we read the Scripture today. I want to read an excerpt from the memoirs of C.H. Spurgeon. When he was a young pastor, he eventually pastored what what was to me one of the first mega churches that I had ever heard of in the recent history and it was that great church in London England where so many people came to know Jesus bible scholars and bible teachers have talked about C H Spurgeon and quoted him and called him the prince of preachers hallelujah but he was a young pastor at one time, young and inexperienced, and he took that pastorate in during the 1854 outbreak of an epidemic in London, England. And it's uh, amazing that this memoir talks about it coming from Asia. It was actually called the Asian Cholera Outbreak in London. And this is his own words, how he was confronted with such a, a, a terrible, 
terrifying pestilence and saw the impact on so many, many people and how it almost broke him down and really made him almost susceptible to the very same thing that was happening to so many others. Fear and fatigue both gripped him. And if you're a minister listening today, fear and fatigue can get a hold of you if you're not cautious uh, and you don't stay in the word and stay in right in fellowship with God and right relationship with him listen i'm going to quote spurgeon today this prince of preachers this powerful paragon of power that has been a mentor just by his life and testimony to so many ministers going into the ministry one bible college is called spurgeon bible college probably more than one and during this epidemic he said at first i gave myself up with youthful ardor to the visitation of the sick and was sent for from all corners of the district by persons of all ranks and religions but soon i became weary in body and sick at heart weary in body and sick at heart. You know what the Bible said in the Old Covenant about being sick at heart? It said the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit who can bear. You know, we all get weary in body, and we need to rest ourselves, but we need to watch out that it doesn't lead to becoming sick at heart. To me, that is representing and describing discouragement, deep, deep discouragement. He said, my friends seemed falling one by one, and I became, and I felt and fancied that I was sickening like those around me. I don't know during this if you've uh, coughed and wondered, is this the beginning of uh, of a symptom of this thing. If you had a fever, I know precious saints of God that have had a fever and and been checked out to verify that they did not have uh, this this thing that we're dealing with today. And that's the right thing to do because it is a symptom, a rash, uh, uh, not being able to smell. Have you ever woke up in the morning and 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 and, and been happy? to smell uh, something cooking, and breakfast cooking. Amen. Or a friend of mine, I want you to know we, we are human. And in our humanity, we understand that even great preachers with great anointings and appointings are very, very human. He said, my friends seem falling one by one, and I felt or fancied that I was sickening like those around me. A little more work and weeping would have laid me low among the rest. I want to say something about his statement here. It is a well-known medical fact that stress, fear, anxiety, worry, lowers the immune system. And that's something we need to help fight off infections and plagues and everything else. Whatever medicines are given, they do not take the place of our immune system. 
They help our immune system. They bolster up and work with our immune system. And it's so important to have a positive attitude and and obtain God's peace when we're facing things like we're facing right now. Spurgeon went on to say, A little more work and weeping would have laid me low among the rest. I felt that my burden was heavier than I could bear, and I was ready to sink under it. You know, he's not the first, is he? The Apostle Paul said to the church at Corinth in his letter, he said, Brethren, I wouldn't have you to be ignorant of the trouble we experienced in Asia, how we were pressed beyond measure and despaired of life itself that we might learn not to trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Hallelujah. I'm so glad that we can learn lessons in our weakness. And one of the lessons we learn is God's faithfulness. He does not abandon us when we can't stand as strong as we should or would or could. He does not abandon us. He draws near to us. God is our refuge. Remember, our strength, a very present help in the time of trouble. You can count on God, amen, to be faithful to you. And you need to put your trust in Him today. I'm going to read on from from his statement. I felt that my burden was heavier than I could bear and I was ready to sink under it. As God would have it, I was returning mournfully home from a funeral when my curiosity led me to read a paper which was wafered up in a shoemaker's window in the Dover Road. If you're listening from England, from London in particular, you know right where that road is today. It did not look like a trade announcement, or was, nor was it, for it bore in good, bold handwriting these words. Because thou hast made the Lord which is my refuge, even the Most High thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. Now this is one verse out of a psalm in the Old Testament. It is a verse from a psalm. And listen to what he said about this word of the Lord. He said, The effect on my heart was immediate. Faith appropriated the passage as her own. I felt secure, refreshed, girt with immortality. I went on my visitation of the dying in a calm and peaceful spirit. I felt no fear of evil, and I suffered no harm. The providence which moved the tradesman to place those verses in his window, I gratefully acknowledge, and remembrance of its marvelous power, speaking of the word that was given him from this psalm, I adore the Lord my God. Amen. If Spurgeon had such a change in a time of an epidemic and all of the hurt, heartache, and heartbreak and fear that it brought, what in the world could we get from that psalm today that fits so perfectly our circumstance? 
Psalm 91. I want to read it with you today. If you have your Bible or have you marked it. By the way, chaplains who have prayed with men going into combat. This is the number one verse of Scripture that is read. Yes, to lead them to Christ, prepare them for eternity. For surely in war, men are going to die. But the consolation of claiming a psalm that offers such provision and protection. Oh, friend of mine, let's read it today. Because the Lord God of Israel changes not, and Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and He will be forever. Listen to what Psalm 91 says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings. This is the secret place he's talking about. Under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and thy buckler or thy armor. Glory be to God. His truth shall be thy trust and and thy shield and thine armor. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night nor the arrow that flieth by day, nor the pestilence. There's a reference here by that word again. And it says in my Bible, King James, epidemic. This pandemic is an epidemic. It had an epicenter and it continued to grow. Nor for the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes or destroys at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side. See, this is a personal thing. Don't miss this. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. You see, C.H. Spurgeon didn't just see wicked people dying and all all the good people being exempt. He saw friends dying. He saw good, godly people dying. But when he read this psalm, he realized that this is a choice that every person has to make. Being a Christian doesn't mean we can live in a bubble free from trouble. I know that rhymes, but it's a truth anyway. Jesus said it, and we're experiencing it, and we'll continue to experience it with something Before and after this, in this world, this fallen world, this is a fallen world. It's not the way the Father created it to be. In this world, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Tribulation is the word for, well, it's thelpsis in the Greek, and it means anguish, pressure because of trouble. We're in that kind of world 
And that's why little blue-eyed babies are dying and, and, and hardcore alcoholics out on the street sleeping in squalor are still alive. Oh, friend of mine, it's not right yet, but it will be when he comes. And he's coming soon, thank God. A thousand shall fall at thy side, ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Why? Because thou hast made. The Lord thy God, thy habitation, and under his wings thou hast come to trust. See, verse 8 said, Only with thine eyes thou shalt behold and see the reward of the wicked. But because thou hast made the Lord which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling, literally thy tent. You see, you don't have to be in an underground bunker <laughs> for God to take care of you. You can be in something as as uh, as vulnerable as a tent with God's promise and God's protection. And if you decide to trust Him, that tent can become a mighty fortress and bulwark. <laughs> Glory to God. Why? Because for He shall give His angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. There will be supernatural protection and deliverance. That's, that's what angels do. <laughs> Praise God. And that's why they are involved in this fallen world because we are here. Praise ministering spirits sent to minister in behalf of those who are sanctified, the New Testament declares. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot upon a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder and the young lion and the dragon thou shalt trample under feet. Now God responds to this declaration about himself that is true. He now responds in verse 14. Because he set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. <laughs> Hallelujah. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. He shall call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. And in, see, in spite of everything that is so dangerous and so discouraging and so fearful and foreboding, listen to verse 16, With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Here it's talking about his deliverance. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. You see, the psalmist, dear friend, in these verses assures the man, woman, boy, or girl who dwells in God that he will be secure. Through faith, though faith claims no merit, someone said of his own, yet the Lord rewards it wherever he sees it. He who makes God his refuge shall find him a refuge. He who dwells in God shall find his dwelling protected. <laughs> Hallelujah. I like that. You know, the Bible said in the New Testament, spiritually speaking, we are hid in Christ in God. Amen. So I'm going to back up. I'm, I'm hurrying and I need to back up. I want us to get this. I want to read this quote that some on this particular portion of Scripture in this psalm in general. 
We must make the Lord our habitation by choosing Him for our trust and rest. And then we shall receive immunity from harm. No evil shall touch us personally. No stroke of judgment shall assail our household. The dwelling here, intended by the original, was only a tent. Yet the frail covering would prove to be sufficient shelter from harm of all sorts. It matters little whether our abode be a gypsy's hut or a monarch's palace, if the soul has made the Most High its habitation. Get into God, and you will dwell in all good, and ill is banished far away. You know, that's part of what the Bible is teaching. Again, when it says the name of the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous runneth into it, and are safe. And that word safe meant far above the intentions of evil. It's where evil wants to get at you, but you're in a strong tower so high above that it just doesn't reach you. It's Daniel in the lion's den with angels shut into, an angel rather, shut into the mouth of the lion. It's the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace with a fourth man saying, (laughs) it, it may burn up them that throw you in there. You'll see the reward of the wicked, but it's not going to burn you up. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, friend of mine. Fear, to me, is an incentive to trust more. To and and thou hast known my name because you've known my name. Hallelujah! You see, a name in biblical times denoted a characteristic of the person, and that's why the name of Jesus was given to Christ. It was a common name. It was a name of a hero in Israel: Joshua, Yeshua, Jesus. And it means a deliverer. And Jesus came to deliver not just a military leader who would deliver from, from, from the, the bondage and, and the subject, subject, subjugation of, of the nation to be enslaved by other nations. No, it wasn't this kind of military deliverance and saving. It was a spiritual and eternal deliverance and saving. Jesus Thou shalt call his name Jesus, Savior, for he shall save his people from their sins. I like what Mary Duncan said. She said, no man can have two homes. She doesn't mean that some rich person doesn't have more than two. She means no man can live in two places at once. No man can have two homes, two places of constant resort. And if the Lord be truly our habitation... We can have no other refuge for our souls, no other resting place for our hearts. Someone said our hearts will always wander until we find our rest in God and in Jesus Christ. I like what William Bridge said, and this is where it gets personal. The promise of protection and deliverance is not made to a believer as a believer, just because, in other words, that you're a child of God, a believer, but as acting and exercising faith. For though a man be a believer, if he do not act and exercise his faith, this promise will not reach him. Therefore, if a believer die, you see, he's talking about the 11,000 down and somebody's still standing. 
not exercise, if the believer die not exercising faith and trusting in God, it is no disparagement to the promise. In other words, that doesn't make the promise null and void. Jesus said it, didn't he? As your faith be, so be it unto you. As your faith be, so be it unto you. With God, nothing shall be impossible, and nothing shall be impossible to him that believeth. But the scripture is also clear in the book of James, faith without works is dead, being alone. Amen. Thou said that has faith and no works are literally corresponding actions, and I'll show you my faith by my actions. See, we have to take God's word to heart, and we have to make a decision to put our trust in Him. And friend of mine, He is trustworthy today. He is worthy of our trust. Amen. I like the psalm that says, How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God. Therefore the sons of men put their trust under the shadow of your wing. When we get to know God well enough to trust Him, that will be the equivalent and the foundation for New Testament faith. It's not just a force within you. It is a person that you know well enough to choose to trust to make Him your dwelling place, your habitation, and under His, the shadow of His wings, thou shalt come to trust. He said, you don't have to be afraid anymore. Hallelujah. You're in a place where God will care for you. God will protect you. God will, will, will deliver you. Praise the Lord. Now, I'm going to do everything that I'm told to do to use precaution. That's wisdom. But I'm not going to trust in those things in and of themselves or in the government or in the medical profession. No, I'm not going to be like the governor that said recently of his state. He said it was not God. It was not faith. It was us. It was what we did that lowered this curve. It's not over there and people are still dying. Oh, How I shook when I heard a man say it wasn't God, it wasn't faith, it wasn't prayer, it was us. We are the reason that things are getting better. Our spirit isn't broken and we did what we, we're disciplined enough to do what we needed to do and we, and we, us, I, and I thought, oh God, oh God, oh God, I'm so glad that I'm, I am way, way, way too fearful of not having Him in my life to ever even think for one millisecond that I could do without Him and take care of it myself. Friend, I know that you know how much we need the Lord. And I want you to know how much of the Lord that we have through His Word and His promises today. Well, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior and your Sovereign, if you haven't repented of your sin and received Christ as your Savior, I pray that this situation we're in that brings us all face to face with the inevitability of our mortality, 
It's appointed unto man once to die, but it's not over. After this, the judgment. But you don't have to fear the judgment to come. You can come to Jesus today. And you don't have to fear the plague or the pestilence because you can shelter under the shadow of His wings. Hallelujah. And friend of mine, when you draw your last breath here, you can take your next breath in heaven and live eternally when He comes back to this earth forever and ever with no sickness, no disease, no death, no dying, no wars. Nothing will hurt or harm in His holy mountain. Oh, come to Jesus today. The great call of God is calling you. And friend of mine, if you are a believer, believe. Put your trust in God. Draw close to Him. Don't just run to Him when problems come. Dwell in Him so He can dwell in you. And come back next week and let's talk about Jesus.